0: Good morning, dear class. We're going to go ahead and get started with some prayer requests. And um, the first one I want to mention to you is Bev's husband, Denny. Denny Savage uh, has had double kidney stones, one in each kid, at least one in each kidney. He's been through surgery. He is home, but it was very serious and, of course, very, very painful. So please put Denny on your prayer list. Uh, Bill Brady is back in the hospital with that dog bite, and so please uh, lift Bill up in prayer and pray for uh, cleansing from that infection. Uh, Elsie is back home now. This is Karen's mom, and uh, they do believe it was a mini stroke, but there's no paralysis, which is wonderful. And um, and then Carol Ellis's mom's surgery went very successful. You know, we've been praying for her mother-in-law for a long time. Yes, yes, and I think that this encouragement is just going to help take her over the hump of the discouragement that she's been living in, Um, and Carol has been, Carol and Bill, have just been so faithful in trying to lift her up and in all the caregiving. Uh, Also, let's see, uh, Kathy Heider. uh, um, Brock is doing better, much, much better. Lottie is is not feeling well, so uh, Brock had COVID. Lottie is just uh, dizzy, and uh, they're not sure what she's fighting, so pray for, pray for him with, pray for him with his job. And a, and a job situation concerning Brock. He's in a transition time. So um, please keep that issue in your prayers. Then, um, let's see, Donna Grauer is back in Saginaw. I think it would be great. She's at Wellspring in Saginaw, if a number of us could send her a card. She's in a different room number. I don't have it, but if you put... Oh, number 22? She's in 22 on the assisted living site. You will walk through the main doors, go to the right... And she's down okay, through. the address to send a card would be the same, correct? Wellspring, and then the... I don't remember when it was the same street address Okay. One's Shattuck and one's Weineke. Yeah, I was thinking of that one, though. Um, the assistant living in Shattuck. Oh, okay. So, the staff sure. real good about getting cards to people that I would think they would that's be, that's regardless of right. what they. Yeah, I remember she was there. Yeah, I, know, yeah. I know also yep. that she was really like a visitor or two. She'd Sure. So oh. After being gone for so long and in therapy and COVID related things. And um we've just got a lot of, a lot of. Deep physical needs going on in our church, just rampant. Julie. Um, Marcella has yes. COVID. Okay. And, um, and of course, she can't visit Marlene or anything, so we're going to go over there, but um, and visit her later on next week. But um, she's still, Marcella's still at home. I'm going to kind of keep track. Of her. Okay. Great. No, Great. Her. Yep. Now, so Great. Right, right. Oh, praise, and I just I praise the Lord every time I get to see Diane front and center here. Tim is doing a little bit better. He was able to have that face-to-face uh, doctor's appointment. He is put back on a small dose of um, medicine that he had been on. But, of course, remember, he couldn't have the heart cath because the blood is too thin. So, But there has been a very slight improvement. So please keep Tim on your daily, daily prayer list. Sarah? Amen. And that's what they're checking on then. Good. That's Sarah Keller's dad. Okay. And and Ken Clark is on on our prayer list, too, and he's dealing with a lot of the same things. He's been through a gamut of tests. He's on the backside at the very end. Um, Been through a gamut. And he has a heart cath coming up in his very near future. And he had a 30% blockage in the old Widowmaker. And they're looking... Isn't that, isn't that just terrible? Yeah, I know. It's just it's so irritating when anybody who's battled through those insurance situations, Trina? Yes. a Yeah. A young man in his 30s, husband, Father of two. Yeah. Yep, Andrew, Andrew Swift, Andrew Swift. Yep, yep, and he's been in my prayers all week. Um, Have you heard about the ninety-six-year-old grandfather Leslie's. Oh, yeah, and all those. Uh, yeah, the her mom is taking care of him. Right, another one. Hi, Donna. It's good. No updates on that. It's just uh, it's been the same. Right, right. And then also on. Um, On my personal list, let's see... Oh, I want to encourage you about Friend Sunday, next Sunday. Friend Sunday. We have two Friend Sundays in the church year. Do everything you can do to bring a friend next Sunday. I don't believe there's another preacher that so clearly defines and preaches pure salvation as Bill Rice. He's short, succinct, to the point. He's engaging. If you have anybody in your sphere of influence that you just wonder, I wonder, you know, are they really saved? Do all you can do to get them out. Do all you can do. Pull in all the kudos. And, and with me, in prayer and inviting and in urging and persuading, pray that next Sunday, if the Lord tarries, it's an eternal Sunday. And souls are saved But even for your own influence, there is nothing more important in my life than sharing the gospel, and it needs to be important in all of our lives. This world is a mess. This world needs Jesus, and our little world here in Saginaw, and our little influences, wherever they may be, from Aldi's to, to friends that you wonder about, need to hear the sweet gospel, the word of God that saves us and then sets us free and renews us every day. Oh, How many of you need some renewal this morning? Boy, I do. And so, it's so exciting to have already sat at the feet of Jesus and know that he promises to do. Karen? And his talking. surgery is coming up yeah. too, Slades. And he was talking and he was saying, I thought he was saying the <laughs> Oh, He was saying the father. The father. And he was Amen. He Amen. you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, Amen. Getting God. it Look, so history. young. History. You're history. History. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very exciting. I'm sure I wasn't even talking about any father at three, and so that's, you know, it is. It's such a... Pr- but everybody's grandchild is so... Wonderful, <laughs> and I rejoice with you, but then especially with situations like Slade because he's already been through battles that none of us have been through. Yes, Deb? Um, my aunt Tuesday. It's really this, surgery. So yeah. Please pray that That's on there. Would you put a star by that um, on the um, prayer list? Uh, this is Marguerite, who we've prayed for with the cancer. Her surgery is this Tuesday, and... Um, Keep her in your prayers. Let's see, and then my—if you have any other prayer requests, Cindy is traveling. We've got a lot of people traveling uh, right now. Would you get those prayer requests to Maya, and she will get that on um, on our prayer list for next week? As well, actually, it'll be for in two weeks um, for that. So with that. I'm missing what I want to tell you. Okay, you all got a sheet. If you didn't get a sheet, um, pick one up with your cookie. And on your sheet, I did a um, self-portrait. It's on this side. And you can say, you know what, that, that is your self-portrait. And on the back of this, I put down all the scripture that we're going to be going over today, Okay. Um, because this is so good for you to draw back and pull back and connect it to what we're talking about in Sunday school. So just before we do that, let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you for your goodness. I thank you that it's for all eternity. I thank you that we can look in our past, and we can look in our present, and we can look into our future and know that your goodness is there. God, I think especially of our country and... and. Uh, and the the acknowledgement of the fact that, Lord, we are so fragile. God, I thank you that our nation was founded on you. And may you bring us back to that point, I pray. Now, Father, bless this lesson, Psalm 23. Oh, Father, how rich it is to our hearts. And even as we start walking and referencing valleys in our lives, Lord, you are the lily of the valley on purpose, because those are the times we need your fragrance in our life. And I thank you for this, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so there was a psychologist walking around a room while teaching a stress management class. She raised a glass of water up high, And the audience looked at it, and they said, oh, we know what she's going to ask. She's going to ask us the half-full, half-empty question, okay, that we're all familiar with. But instead, she lifted up that glass of water, and with a smile, she asked, how heavy is this glass of water? The answers called out ranged everything from 8 ounces to 20 ounces. And this is what she replied. She said, the absolute weight does not matter. It depends on how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute, it's not a problem. If I hold it for an hour, I'll have an ache in my arm. If I hold it for a day, my arm will feel numb and paralyzed. In each case, the weight of the glass doesn't change, but the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. What a perfect picture as we start to walk into, "Yea, though I walk through the valley? Because I guarantee you, every one of you were in a valley last week. I was in valleys last week. Stresses, worries in life are like that glass of water. Think about them for a minute when it happens, or five minutes later, and, well, nothing big happens. Think about them a lot longer, and we begin to feel hurt or weighted down. Think about them all day long, and you'll feel paralyzed and capable of doing anything profitable the rest of the day. It is such a truth that we have got to know God has an answer for that. He writes it in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Yeah, he will give us rest even in the valleys. Take my yoke upon you. Now, in, the, in my Bible, I have parentheses and underlying this part right here. Learn of me. There's nothing I can do about my valley. There's nothing I can do about so many of the things that burden my heart or trouble my mind. But here God says, child, sheep, this is something you're to do. You're to learn of me. What exactly does that mean in just a little short thought as we go into the valley? It means God's word with all the thou shalt and the thou shalt not's. That's the learning. That's the learning. Thou shalt rejoice evermore. I tell you what, if if I don't learn to rejoice in the course of my day, especially my hard days, knowing it's going to be the last thing I feel like doing, but I'm going to learn Christ in this. That's my goal. God, make me Christ-like today. You already know the valleys. I'm going to, you already know the cares. You already know the heavy things that I am going to be carrying. I want to yoke up with you. And oh, I'm going to give you some beautiful truths in just a minute that is so sweet when we walk with our shepherd. So, Lord, as I yoke up with you, what are you going to tell me? And he's going to turn and he's going to say, learn me, learn me. First thing you need to do, Kathy, is learn to rejoice. Understand it's not one more thing to do. Even as, you know, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And how I misinterpreted that for so long in my youth, I thought, okay, another more, one more to do, I shall not want. That's not the meaning of it at all. And so when he tells me to rejoice, it's not because he wants to give me something else to do in my head. What he's doing is saying, I'm going to give you a balancer to all the heavy things that you're carrying right now. If you don't learn to balance this, and if all you're focused on is the heavy, and it keeps on getting piled in and piled in, and you don't learn anything from it, all you're going to see, all you're going to feel because when something heavy comes in, we naturally pull back, pull in a whole lot of the past heaviness that is attached to it. It's never one thing at a time. It's never one person at a time. And God says, no, 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 no. This is how my burden stays, and my yoke is easy. Easier than what? Easier than the way of your own thinking, Kathy. So when he tells me to, to rejoice evermore, Carol, sitting in the surgery room, you know, Father, thank you that you're in control. Thank you that you know all things. This, and this is where you pull in, and we're going to get into the Word of God and God's great promises of the fact. He is trustworthy, girls. He is trustworthy. He saved our soul for eternity. He certainly is dealing with this moment that I'm in right now. And, there, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, as we continue to live in obedience to the Word, I will rejoice. Do you know there was a time, there have been some times, where I've been so burdened, and I know I'm to rejoice, and I cannot think of one blessed thing, Donna. Shame on me. But see, that's where I go when stuff gets really heavy or really hurtful. It's like your your brain stops working in any spiritual mode whatsoever. Paul said that. He said, the things I do that I'm not supposed to do, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be burdened. I don't want to be a a Eeyore to everybody in my life. No. But that's what I'm going to be if I don't learn Christ. And so that's when years ago I set up a discipline. I have to do something physically to trigger my spiritual choices. So you know what I did, I walked to the family room in the parsonage, wherever that is, and I pulled up the blinds, and it was still dark, it was 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, but I said, every time I pull up these blinds, I will stand here, and I will thank you, God, for five things. It didn't change any of the circumstances, and it so dramatically changed me. There's than a strengthening of, I am not dependent upon a good day to rejoice. I am not dependent upon uh, an easy time to have joy and to laugh and to have fun and to be a blessing. I'm not dependent on any of that. No, I am strong in the Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's a maturing of your faith. That's learning Christ. We learn in the valleys, best of all. So... Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find what? Uh Uh-huh. The first thing that leaves us as a sheep when we are burdened, when we are fearful, when we are hurting, we don't get rest. It's the first place our Lord takes us in dealing with us in in the green pastures. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, The Lord is my shepherd. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Now I need you to put the emphasis on that little personal pronoun, my. Is it a personal pronoun train? Okay. The Lord is, ready? My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That truth, that the Lord is my shepherd, is the most securing truth I walk with today. It is the sweetest truth I walk with today. Um, It's the truth that satisfies me. If you look back at yesterday or Friday um, and you lived fearfully, okay, acknowledge it. Or if I lived frustrated and I stayed stuck there, acknowledge it. If I lived anxious, worried, acknowledge it, acknowledge it. If I lived discontentedly, It will always, always, always be traced back to this. I have forgotten that the Lord is my shepherd. It will always be traced back to that. So, with that reaffirmed in my head, the Lord is my shepherd. Turn to Matthew 10. We're going to talk about some really neat things here. Matthew 10, Jesus is teaching us this truth. And he's telling us this truth by directing our focus to look at a bird, to look at a bird, and it's not a special bird. It's not a pretty bird. It's not a talented bird. There's no added adornments. It's nondescript. It's plain. It's just an ordinary what? Sparrow. Sparrow. It's just an ordinary sparrow. Now look at your Sunday school cookie because we're going to taste this truth. Your cookie is just... A bird on a limb. Just a, it's not a special bird. It's not a special. There's no added border that I put on it. There's no bling on it. There's no sparkle. There's no, there's nothing extraordinary about this cookie this Sunday. And the most obvious thing about your cookie, your Sunday school cookie, is that she is all by herself. Out on a finish it. And it's just how you and I feel when we are in valleys. We feel like we are all by ourselves, and we are out on a limb. Well, because we are going from being led from the green pastures and the still waters and the securing fact of being led to now we are in the valley of shadows. And we feel just like our Sunday school cookie, a bird alone out on a limb. It's verse 4 of our chapter 23 that we're studying. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. When I feel like that cookie, I am just an ordinary, simple bird all by myself out on a limb. Do you know what God, do you know what the Lord, our shepherd, has to say about that which is in my head? He's saying this. It's lot. It's a lie, child. You're believing a lie, and we come by it honestly, girls. We've been believing the lie since the Garden of Eden, and so it's so natural and it's so quick. What do we must? We must do this to counteract the lie. We must find the truth. So, open up God's Word, God's truth, because that's how we do battle with the lies of Satan. It's how Jesus did battle with the lies of Satan. It's how we do battle with the lies of society. And it's how I do battle with the lies that come from myself, my own deceitful heart that wants to draw me astray. So the heart needs to know this truth. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you know if that bird on your cookie could talk, do you know what it would say? Put God's truth in your heart. Maybe that's what they sing about. Have you ever wondered if we ever could really interpret, like Dr. Doolittle, you know, what the birds and what nature is really saying? I promise you they're all giving God glory. They're all referencing their maker. I promise you that. And if that little bird on your cookie could tell you anything, it would say, put God's word in your truth. Don't believe the lie that you're all alone. So the Lord is my shepherd. Let's go back to the beginning. Have you ever thought about how the thought of God as a shepherd originated? Hmm. Here it is. The five English words, the Lord is my shepherd, written in the Hebrew, is comprised of two words. The Lord is my shepherd in the original is simply written Jehovah-Rahi. Jehovah-Rahi. Major meaning of Jehovah-Rahi is the word shepherd. And in the Hebrew, that word shepherd is translated one who feeds. Now, doesn't that make all beautiful sense as we've been studying those first three verses? Because in the next couple verses, everything is referenced back to my shepherd who feeds, my shepherd who fills. Why? He takes me to the green pastures. He puts me beside still waters. He leads me in places where I can get filled up because I live so empty. So, of course, Jehovah Rai, the one who fills, the shepherd who fills. I have a promise that God will fill me physically physically spiritually, and emotionally. And apart from that, I will live empty. I will, apart from being close to the shepherd. I naturally will live empty. Um, or I'll get filled up on the wrong stuff. That's an even worse evil. Uh, it's in Proverbs, I believe, that um, we, we are filled with our own ways naturally. I need the Lord my shepherd. Now, here's another sweet fact about the shepherd. When there are no green pastures, when oh. the land has become diseased, either because of toxic plants, um, poison in the area, or parched because of drought, a good shepherd gathers the food himself for his flock. Emily, it's good to have you here with us today. He uses his shepherd's hook to pull down. Leaves and berries, right from the trees, places where the sheep can't reach. The good shepherd provides. And this is what shepherds do. He feeds, then, the sheep directly, Elaine, out of his own hand. Now, I want you to remember this because we're going to reference back to our shepherd's hand in the rest of this lesson. And it's, it's so personal. It's so beautiful. Right out of his own hand. Which tells me, in my hungry desert days, ready? Ready? He's going to feed me from his hand. And I'm not going to find it any other place, Leslie. It's going to come from his hand. By the way, in speaking of hunger, look back at last week. Was there a single day in which you were not hungry? No, no, no. It's a part of this life. Do you know being hungry is as natural as breathing? It is a part of this life. Now, being hungry... Being hungry, Um, the Lord who is my shepherd has another name along with he feeds and he fills, and it is how David could then say, I shall not want. Now you're going to recognize this one more quickly. That in the Hebrew comes from Jehovah Jireh. I shall not want. And what does Jehovah Jireh mean? God provides. God provides. So God fills and feeds. God provides. This is written in the first single statement. It's why then David could, he probably, you know, he probably just leaped up and did a cartwheel. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He fills, he feeds, he provides. So speaking of being hungry last week, last week every day I fixed food that filled many tummies. I did it. It was easy. With God's provision, with being in blessed America. Now, I was thankful. And as we sat down to eat them many times, of course, we stopped and we gave thanks. And and we thanked the Lord and asked his blessing. And it filled me physically, and it filled those I fed physically. Whatever you fill yourself with is how you grow and what you grow. And that could take us on a whole different line of thinking, but I don't want to go there. Stay with me. I just want you to think about the fact that we are empty every day physically. I'm speaking, first of all, on the most surface, inconsequential area of us, physical. Sad to say that seems to get all the attention. But in the most explainable, logical way, we understand about being empty because we're hungry in our tummies. Well, I fixed food all last week, every day, lots of food for lots of people. I did that. It's what I could do. Here's the point. It did not require faith for me to fix supper. (laughs) Right? You did not exercise your faith. Not one of you here exercised your faith when you fixed supper or when you drove through Tim Hortons or when you went to um, Yaya's. It required no faith. Hmm. No. Yeah, well, no, I knew. I knew, yeah. No, it really didn't. I did not I did not stir my faith, exercise my faith, work my faith to make those meals that we're going to fill. But last week I was hungry and every day it was something I could not fix. I could not make. It wasn't a physical hunger. It was a really much more important, vital hunger. It was a deeper need and I couldn't fill it. And I couldn't fix it. There was Daniel's friend, Andrew Smith, or Swift. And at that point he was dying. Young man. There's Amanda's friend who is dying young friend my sister's pastor's wife friend in Florida been at the church 30 years pastoring there she's burying her husband next week there are last week there are three good churches going through splits and deep disagreements because of differing opinions and pride so much brokenness. I broke my toe. Today I can wear shoes, <laughs> but still hurts. Broken, brokenness, broken promises, broken hearts, and we leak out. I can't tell you the burden in my heart concerning dear friends, Tim and Diane, Bill Brady, back in the hospital with the talk. Ken Clark going through multiple numbers of tests. You know, Carol, as she takes care of her mom. Karen, as she takes care of her mom. David, Julie's brother. Multiple things in which I cannot fix. So what do I do? I get so excited about the fact that faith is all about the stuff I can't fix, Michelle. Faith is about everything about my God and what he will do. Faith is believing God at his word. What do we do with the empty we can't fill? On the back of your sheet, turn your sheet over, and we're going to see what God does. First of all, go to Psalm. um, Oh, and Trina, I want you to look up Matthew 10 and Luke 12 and just be ready with those references. First of all, one that's not on your list that I want to tell you, Psalm 107.9, that is so in reference to our hunger. He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. We go to the Lord who is our shepherd with all that we cannot fix. Psalm uh, five seven. for he is our God. And we are the sheep of his pasture and the sheep of what? What did I just tell you about our shepherd when we're in barren places? He feeds us from his hand when I can't find help, when I can't find anybody else, when I can't find it in me. The Lord who is my shepherd, I'm the sheep of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Psalm 139.10, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. I'm not alone on that branch. He is with me. Isaiah 59.1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. 2 Corinthians 12.9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Now, do you know what that means, girls? Right there when I asked you, what do you do with the stuff you can't fix? This is how we learn Christ. You know what you do? You literally say out loud, glory. Glory. Father, I will glory in you. I can't do anything about this, and only you can. Glory that you are with me. Glory that you will work. Glory that you have a way for me to take. Help me to learn it. Show me. Show me glory. Glory when we got that phone call concerning Denny and we all went to prayer. And sweet, Clint, I wish you you could watch Clint pray for you. It's so beautiful, his friend Tim, you know. And we went to prayer. I thought, you know, my first always response team is the flesh one that gets there. It beats the spiritual one every time because I'm so fleshly. I've had so much practice being fleshly. and And I went, oh, great. And immediately I went, Glory, Father, work in Denny's life. Comfort Beth. I tell you what, the one sitting beside is—that's that's heavy. That's worrisome. Oh God, fill her mind and her heart with Your peace. You doeth all things well, and You immediately counteract the good grief with God's glory. You take the promises of God because He is trustworthy. You root down in the truth, not in the lies of your head and your heart and your emotions. So that's what we do with our empty, being personally fed by the hand of God. And we get to find out that it's not about our sufficiency, Karen. Never was in the first place, but we live so falsely, don't we? It's all about God's sufficiency in my weakness. And I find a strength that gets me really excited. It's like, yeah, I don't have to live in fear about tomorrow. God's already there, and all of, all of the truths that you know in your head become the sufficiency and the sweetness because all of a sudden you're required to use your faith, and if you don't use your faith, you're going you're to just live there in fear. I didn't, I didn't have to use my faith to fix supper, and it would have been a pretty wasted day just getting filled up on the physical. Nothing eternal about that. But, oh, I had such an eternal blessed week because there were so many situations in which I got right next to the hand of my shepherd. I got really close, like I talked to you about last week about happy boy getting in between my feet. I was literally there with my shepherd. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I prayed for so many of you moms that have kissed your kids goodbye to college. That is hard. But you know what? You are going to find a sufficiency in God as you pray over that child that you no longer can fill. You can't fill fill her anymore, but God can. And God's filling is far better than me as mom. And when mom is long off the scene, those prayers that we send up, they're eternal, Deb. They're eternal, Sarah. And God will continue to work through that in our children's lives. Um, so take every adversity at every level, because we're talking about valleys now and view it through the eyes of ready faith. I opened my cupboards, food was there. It required no faith. What about the situations that you're dealing with right now? You open your heart, you, you look into that situation and you see nothing. There's nothing there. Glory, glory. Glory, there is nothing there because now, God, I'm going to see what only you can do, and I can't wait. Um, in the f- emptying experiences, I can do the one thing that pleases my God. What is that, girls? Exercise my faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please our Lord. Faith acknowledges him. Faith recognizes him. Faith glorifies him. with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Three essential truths about God that we must believe in the valley if I'm to trust him. We talked about this the last two weeks. I don't want to take time to review it. Um, What I'm going to talk to you right now is from Jerry Bridges' book in Growing Your Faith. I really recommend Jerry Bridges. He's an excellent author. Jerry Bridges and um, Elizabeth George two authors that you should be reading. Here's the three things we must, we must have to trust God. Trusting God in adversity by faith and trusting God alone is from the scriptures applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. As we store them in our head, the Holy Spirit takes them and diffuses it. In our life. Number one, truth, God is completely sovereign. Number two, God is infinite in wisdom. And three, God is perfect in love. Let's go to the first one. God is completely sovereign. Trina, Matthew 10, uh, 29 through 31. Would you read that? Matthew 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hair of your head are all numbered. Wow. Now, Jesus is teaching this. He says, I don't care how many hunters are out there. I don't care how many birds of prey are around. Nothing can happen to that sparrow except I allow it. Nothing. And then and then uh, it's so sweet because Jesus pulls the application into you and me because we say, big deal about sparrows. What about you and me? So Jesus says, Now, don't you know you are of much more value than many sparrows? So don't fear. So it's speaking of God's sovereignty. Over and over, the Bible says God is in control. God is in charge. God has a plan. I have a reference down, uh, Lamentations 3, 37, 38, for your study, because it's all well and good that God is in control of these minor things. But what about the big things? What about 9-11, dear class? And what about all those men and women who are in the service and are dealing with the aftermath of Afghanistan? What, What about those big things? What about COVID? What about that pastor's wife who's burying her husband next week? What about the big things? God says his truth, Lamentations 3, 37 and 38 Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. In other words, God is in charge of the good things, and God is all power in the sad things, the bad things, the hurt. God is in power. He is sovereign. He is in control. All right? Then go to... um, Luke chapter 12 6 and 7 because here's the story again basically what he what he is teaching here is that human beings forces of nature physical circumstances cannot harm us unless God decrees it it's in God's plan by the way a part of that when you are in a valley is declaring the truth that God has a plan for this valley God has a plan for this I can't see it I can't I, I don't even know how I'm going to walk through this, but God does. And God has a plan on purpose for me being in this valley. And it's a beautiful plan. It's God's best plan. It's the truth. Now, it doesn't feel like it, but that's where you choose to believe. I believe God. I believe God over my feelings. I believe God's word over the words that are trying to find a home in my head and my heart. And I'm going to tell you what to do with those words in just a minute. But, um, Now, the same thing in Luke chapter 12, 6 and 7. Would you read those, Trina? Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Okay, now here's a sweet little subtle difference between the two accounts. The first account is talking about God's sovereignty, his power. Not a sparrow falls, but that God does not Allow it or cause it. This reference, you find the word forgotten. This is referencing God's care for you and me, (coughs) Colleen. The one is his sovereignty, his power. The second illustration is all about God's care. Forgotten. Forgotten. Not a single sparrow is abandoned by God. It's not a lapse of memory. It's talking about God cares, God knows, God sees. He does not forget me. Isaiah 49, uh, 14 through 16, talks about, now it says Zion, but this is Israel. Israel is accusing God that the Lord has forsaken them. The Lord has forgotten me, the same word forgotten as in uh, Luke. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, the Lord hath forgotten me. And God answers, can a mother forget her baby and have no compassion on the child that she's born? It's your reference back there. The two words forsaken and forgotten refer to a heart forsaken and a physical abandonment. So God is covering both the physical and the emotional here. What happened in the unbelievable cruel practice of infanticide back in Bible times would be this. Unwanted babies were left out in the open field for animals to eat or to die of exposure. They were physically abandoned. But for the parents to do this horrible thing, obviously they had to first, they had to first um, forsake them in their heart, and then they followed through with the action. And God is saying, can a mother, he takes the most personal, precious connection, a mother nursing her baby. And he says, though, though a mother forgets her suckling baby, I will not forget you. And now look at what what he says um, in Isaiah uh, 49, 14 through 16. But Zion, Israel said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. God says, Yet will I not forget thee. Behold, now look at this, I have thee graven upon the palms of my hands. The Lord is my shepherd, and when I am in that barren valley, that hurtful, hard time, he provides, he feeds, and he does it right from the palm of his hand where my name, Kathy, your name, is written. God does not forget. God does not abandon. So very clearly, God is love. God is all-powerful. So then we go back to the fact of, The question still remains, if God is both sovereign and good, why is there so much heartache and tragedy? Why doesn't God just restrain the moral and circumstantial evil in this world? Well, let me tell you this right now. He will. He's going to. Meanwhile, he has blessed mankind with free choice. And we live in a sin-cursed, sin-burdened world where there are horrible things that happen. And horrible consequences to sin and when I get mad I get mad at the devil I get mad at the original source of why this all happened God created everything perfectly and it was so very good and God is going to recreate and he is creating and he's preparing a place for us that we can't even imagine it's so good we're not home yet meanwhile in this sin-cursed world The Lord is my shepherd, and he's going to walk with me through it. And he's going to give me. He's going to teach me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to lift me up. He's going to feed me. He's going to fill me. And in all of that, I get to give God glory. In heaven, it's too late. Right now is the time to be the light that so shines. Are you in a valley? Glory. Glory, because you know what? Somebody is watching. And not only is it glory for you as God will make himself faithful and prove himself to you, but it's glory to the person who's going, wow, wow. Clint, you know, always in, in areas of need or, or less than. You know, when we're in a valley, we are less than what we were. And and there's a scripture reference to it. I don't have it right now, but I'm running out of time. Where God says, don't glory in your strength, don't glory in your abilities, don't glory in what you have, because it's all going to go away in this life. Learn to glory in me. That's for eternity, and it does a fantastic work while you're here. Glory in me in this. Clint, being less than, you know, um, but being taught, learn. as I'm to learn Christ. Clint had to do a lot of learning. He learned to open doors for people. He learned to do that. When we're at restaurants and there's somebody coming behind us, do you know what Clint does? He takes that door and he opens it up. And people notice. Why? Because they know Clint had a lot to learn and he doesn't even begin to know what he needs to know. But he did this. Whenever you are in a situation where you are less than, you glory... in God, in it, and then you do what you can do. You do what you can do. This just happened recently. Clint opened the door for some strangers who were coming through, and there was a whole bunch of them. You know, Doug and I were way far ahead, and he just stands there with the door open, and and everybody's saying, thank you. Why, thank you, young man. Why, thank you. And one of the ladies that went through saw me waiting there, and she said to Clint, you had a good teacher. And I smiled, and I said to her, He taught me way more than I ever taught him. When you are going through a valley and you give God glory, you take with what you have and you use it for his glory. Because, girls, we have a good teacher. He lives inside of us to teach me that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Why do these other things happen? Here's the answer. Ready? Oh. I'm not going to give it to you. I'll give it to you next week. I'm going to tell you this. Oh. Come, be here next Sunday. Charles Weagle's song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. You know what? My mother-in-law's favorite song. Weigel spent his, uh, in the eight, late 1800s, early 1900s was his lifespan. He spent most of his life as an itinerant evangelist gospel songwriter. And one day after returning home from an evangelistic crusade, he found a note left by his wife of many years. The note said she'd had enough of being an evangelist wife, and she was out of there. She took their only daughter with her. She was leaving. Weigel later said that he became so despondent that there were times that he contemplated suicide multiple times. There was terrible despair, that no one really cared for him anymore. Gradually, his spiritual faith was restored, and he once again became active in the Christian ministry. He felt compelled to write a song that would be a summary of his past tragic experience. And from a heart that had been broken came these choice words that God gave to Charles. Ready? I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me and led me in the way I ought to go. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love, but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me. Like Jesus, there's no other friend, so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. In closing, Trina and Daniel and the kids had a late fire pit night, Friday night, dark, 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 because they waited for it to be really dark with all the stars coming out, because Caleb is so interested in the stars. David, or, uh, Daniel set up his his um, telescope. Okay, it's a real powerful one. And they're looking at all the constellations and all the stars and marking them and describing them. And there's that and there's that. Then Caleb's turn came and he's looking up at the moon, the moon, and it's huge in the telescope. And he's going, but I can't see it. I can't see it. And Daniel says, what well, can't you see, Caleb? He says, I can't see the flag." I can't see the flag. You know, America planted a flag on the moon, and I can't see it. And Daniel laughed, and he said, well, buddy, it's there. And I thought, how beautiful. And Caleb said, I can't wait to see it. Someday he will. What he can't see. Is that flag on the moon, girls? Yes, it is. We can't see it. The heavens declare the glory of God. In our valleys, step outside and say, Lord, glory, glory. You're gonna do what only you can do. This is so much more important than me fixing supper. It's experiencing what you are going to fix and what you are going to provide because, God, you are Jehovah Jireh and you are my shepherd. So, with those thoughts and those scripture references, don't fear. Don't fear. Because he is with us. God bless you.